Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, folks, and welcome back to Everyday Truth. Got my card for the day homemade card that simply says aloha. Love that. That's the uh, Hawaiian word for hello and goodbye. Kind of like in Israel, shalom, which means peace, is the word for hello and and goodbye. And so aloha. The uh, reason for the card, Faye Cunningham, by the way, from Hawaii, sent me the card. Um, Faye said that May Day, May Day is May 1st, May Day is Lay Day, L-E-I, you know, the lay, the, the, the garland of flowers. And I guess there's flowers all over Hawaii on May 1st. So May Day is Lay Day. Uh, sorry, this is a little bit late, but uh, there it is. Aloha, my friends. We are in Mark chapter 14. If you want to find your place in your own a copy of God's Word, and we're going to jump right into verse number 12. So Mark chapter 14 and verse number 12, where the Bible says, and the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover. So this would be Passover day, a Thursday. So the first day of unleavened bread, Passover day, when they killed the Passover. So the Passover, the, what that meant was the Passover was the Passover lamb. Interestingly, the apostle Paul, writing the Corinthians, talked about the fact that Christ, Jesus Christ, is our Passover. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And that really comes full circle to the ministry of Jesus. Because when Jesus was being introduced by John the Baptist, he was introduced in John 1 as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So in the Passover celebration, the Jews were celebrating the victory of Israel, the children of Israel, over Egypt, how God had delivered them. And the 10th plague was the killing of the firstborn. And of course, the firstborn of Israel did not die because they took that Passover lamb, as God had told them. They applied the blood of that lamb upon the doorposts and the lentil of the house. And the the death angel passed over, passed over, passed over them. So we call it Passover. So in the sense of the children of Israel, they celebrate this every every year. In fact, God redid re their calendar based upon this very feast. I want this, this day to be the beginning of months for you. you. Every year now will begin with an understanding of, I have delivered you. I have saved you. And all of that is but a symbol of the fact that Jesus Christ is our lamb. And uh, the unnecessary killing of the lamb day by day, or in this case, year by year, it's unnecessary because Jesus died, the writer of Hebrews told us, once for all. And his blood doesn't just cover our sins. Uh, It's not just that God will pass over our sins in that sense, but no, Jesus cleanses us from our sins. It's a once for all No more need for sacrifice. He is our final Passover lamb. So there's great irony to the fact that 
Passover is taking place and Jesus, our Passover, is going to die upon that cross as the final blood sacrifice. Remember that the Passover lamb, there were some stipulations. The Passover lamb had to be a male lamb, had to be a young male lamb, and the prime of life in that sense, a spotless male lamb who would be killed, uh, who would be, whose blood would be applied. Uh, the blood would be the testament of, of his death for, uh, on the behalf of the people so that they could live. I mean, all of the imagery is there. So here, uh, verse number 12, the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? So it would be unthinkable for a Jew, especially during the Passover feast uh, in Jerusalem, not to celebrate the Passover. Now, typically, you would celebrate the Passover with your family. It was a family event and an extended family event. And if you've never been to what's called a Seder feast, S-E-D-E-R, a Passover feast where they go through the, the foods that were served and all the symbolism involved and the order of events and the fact that you'd have an empty chair for Elijah and the fact that the children would go looking for the little piece of leaven in the house to get it get rid of it. And I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful teaching and we won't take time in this short podcast to talk about all of the symbolism of the Passover feast, but it is a wonderful study and you ought to, uh, you ought to look into that. But the point here is that it would be unthinkable that you would not celebrate the Passover. So think now the disciples, they've become kind of like a family in and of themselves. Uh, they have families. Uh, Peter has a wife. Uh, they have extended family, obviously, but they're going to celebrate this Passover together. Why? Because they've done life together. They've done life together for these years. They've become this family apart from a family. They, this assembly has kind of become its own family. And I find that true in many good and healthy local churches. It's not that our biological family is not important. Of course they are. But there is a sense in which the community of believers with whom we serve are like a family in and of themselves. Jesus is the good shepherd. Obviously, he's the pastor here, and they've come to him. You know, where? Where should we eat? I mean, there's 13 of us. So where are we going to eat? That, that would take a big space, a big room. And Jerusalem is already burgeoning with all kinds of people for the feast times. Rooms are hard to come by. So where? Where, would, where should we go? And I love what Jesus says here in verse 13. He sendeth forth two of his disciples. This reminds me a lot of five days ago when uh, on the morning of the triumphal entry, on the morning of Palm Sunday, Jesus did something very similar. When he sent two of his disciples, go into this town, go to the fork of the road, at the entering into the city, you're going to find this, this, this cult that's tied tell the owner the master has need of him, and take him. So it's as if Jesus had this prior conversation with this person that owned this cult. I'm going to borrow him. Uh, this person probably believed on Jesus as Messiah, respected him, and was willing to give his stuff for Jesus' use. Well, we find a very similar case here. 
five days later on this Thursday because apparently this owner of this home, this owner of this upper room knows Jesus. Jesus has already set this up. He's already planned this event. And while this is on the mind of the disciples at this late hour, Jesus already has the plan in place. And is that not a great a great illustration of our lives? You know, sometimes we come to situations and we're like, what am I going to do? Let's get this ready. And But understand that Jesus has already thought about it. And the Bible says here in verse number 13, he says to them, go ye into the city and there shall ye meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. So that would be unusual because typically uh, in the, the bearing of water with the, the big water pot they'd carry on their head, uh, typically that would be a woman. So this, this would be something unusual. You're going to see a guy carrying water. Okay, that's going to be, uh, that, that'll be easy to, 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 to detect. So when you see this man bearing a pitcher of water, follow him. What, what, what a great, um, it's just amazing how the Lord leads. And verse number 14, and wheresoever he shall go in, say to the goodman of the house. So wherever that guy goes, okay, that, that homeowner, say to that homeowner, the master saith, so the teacher, master. So obviously this goodman, this owner of the home, knows who Jesus is and recognizes his position as master, as teacher. The master saith, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? So you're, you're going to set up a room. He's going to have a place. Uh, where is it? And so these two disciples are going to go and watch what is going to happen in verse 15. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. So this guy is not only going to give us free space, but he's also going to have the meal ready. He's going to have the table setting ready. He's going to have all the other instruments that are necessary for the feast. It'll all be there. It's all set up. All you have to do is go find what this man has already prepared. What an unsung hero. This man that was willing to give his room, willing to give his food, willing to give his time, willing to give his service, willing to give all of this that Jesus and these disciples might have this, what we know of as the Last Supper. You know, this man no doubt never regretted this gift. Even though it came at a sacrifice, perhaps this was the room that he would have used for his own family gathering. We don't know. But the point is, this man would never regret having given his stuff to the Lord. Just like that man that let them use his cult on that day. We'll never regret, re regret that. And I would say just by way of application that you and I will never regret one day when we're with the Lord, we will never regret anything that belongs to us in our stewardship. We'll never regret using any of it for the Lord. I'll say this, I'm sure that there will be regrets about things we didn't use for the Lord, things that God blessed us and graced us with that we didn't use for his service. But there's not one time that you've allowed someone to stay in your home or you've given someone a ride in your car or you have given a financial gift or you have given time and energy and stuff to 
people for the Lord's work that you will regret that. Not one time. So uh, go, you're going to find this. Now watch what happens in verse number 16. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them. So these two guys go and everything that Jesus said comes to pass. They go there. They see a man carrying a pitcher of water. They kind of stalk him. They follow him. I'd love to see this on a movie camera. And they go, he walks into a house. They go into that house. They say to the owner of that house, the master said, where are we supposed to eat? And the good man of the house takes them maybe to another room, maybe to a room in that very house and shows them, here's the room. Everything's ready. Everything's set up just as Jesus said. You know, this this relatively little thing, I mean, he's not feeding 5,000. This relatively little thing, he's not making a blind man to see or a deaf man to hear. He's not making a lame man to walk. This relatively little thing, he's not calming a storm. Uh, He's not talking to the wind of the waves. He's not healing a maniac. This relatively little thing, just a place to eat, a furnished table, is still a, a remarkable thing. And we need to understand that God works in our own lives, not just in the big, uh, relatively rare times in our life, but he's at work in our everyday lives. Uh, He cares about our everyday activity. And I find a great lesson here just on the goodness and the preparations of God in our life. And the Bible says in verse number 16, they found it as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. So they're getting they're getting ready. Uh, the, the, the food is there, but it has to be prepared and readied. And the Bible says in verse 17, and in the evening he cometh with the 12. So these two are there. They're kind of the advanced team. They find the room. It's been made ready. Uh, they take care of their duties. And now it's time for the Passover meal. And it's time for us to quit. I hate to quit right there, but it's probably the best place. So we're going to come back to verse number 18 and join Jesus in the upper room. John doesn't say as much about what happens in that room that night. Now, uh, or rather, Mark doesn't say as much. John says says a lot. (laughs) Chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 of the book of John, it's all about that upper room. But here in Mark 14, it's a relatively short uh, little space given to what happens that night, but it's important and I want you to see it. So uh, have a great day. Enjoy your uh, new grace and new mercy that God gives us every day. Live for the Lord today and we'll see you next time on Everyday Truth. God bless you. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.